Welcome to Journey to Balancing Your Life with Brandy T. Jones. On our program, we'll show you how to claim both personal and financial worth. With Brandy's experiences and that of our guests, our hope is that if you are struggling day to day and paycheck to paycheck, you'll find that your life doesn't have to be that way. Now, here is your host, Brandy T. Jones. Welcome to Journey to Balancing Your Life. I am your host, Brandy T. Jones, and we have a real exciting uh, event going on today for the show. I have a really special guest, someone that I had met years and years and years ago while I was still working, and I've been retired since 09, maybe 06, one of those times. Anyway, it's been a long time. And my guest impressed me when I first met her. It was in a workshop. It was put on by the school that I was working for. And it really, it has always stayed with me. And I have remembered her and what she did and how she expressed things. And I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to let her tell you as much about it as possible. And it's just, it's nice when I can remember things and I can feel things. And for some reason or another, her name came up through another friend, a mutual friend. And I said, oh, I remember her. And now we have reconnected. And I am so excited, so delighted to bring her to my show so that the information she shared with me years ago that I have been able to hold on to, not all of it and all, you know, the details of it, but the main gist of it. I've been able to hold on to it and incorporate it in my life as much as possible. So I'm I'm really excited to have on the guest today as Sharon Ellison. And she's going to share with us her passion, her what she has been doing all these years to bring people together with less struggle, with less tension, and how it has worked for her, and how I've told you a little bit how I have incorporated into my life, and now I can learn some more from Sharon. So let me give you a little bit of background. Welcome to the show, Sharon, number one, I'll say uh, thank you so much, Brandy. I'm delighted to be here. Good. So let me tell you, the, the listeners, a little bit about you. Sharon Ellison is an award-winning speaker, international consult, consultant, and a rep- recipient of the Kaplan Honorary Award as a communication pioneer. In, dec- in decades of experience as a keynote speaker, Sharon has descri- described as brilliant, exciting, challenging, Funny, practical, inspirational, and a visionary. She provides outstanding training for professional and community organizations and individuals, couples, and families. She's a natural storyteller. Sharon shows how we can unconsciously create and accelerate needless comfort, even with our own loved ones. She demonstrates how making simple changes can transform communication. We can then diffuse defensiveness, often instantly, even in high-conflict situations. Skills are immediate, applicable. Um, and, you know, I that's what I remember. The courses, because I think our session together was about an hour. It might have been less than that. And it was a group of us, and she was able to come in and show us how we don't have to keep fighting. We don't have to keep being in conflict. It can be worked out 
in different ways. And that's what I admire so much about her. We need her in this universe. We need her in what's going on now to educate more of us so that we'll, we can be all that we can be without having to be struggling with each other in a negative way. We need more positiveness in our life, need more love in our life. So Sharon, again, I'm going to say welcome. And I want you to, if there's anything you want to tell us now about you and things I might not have mentioned that you want to bring forth, now's the time. And then I'm going to go and I have some questions I want to ask you. Okay. Um, well, one other thing that I, I will say is that I started out my career um, many, 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 many years ago as a, a, a worker in a juvenile court, and I got to do hands-on work with the kids. And then I was uh, co-director of a government-funded project where I worked with in a school district with at-risk children doing a unique form of play therapy. I worked with the kids on the playground, in the classroom, we worked with the teachers, I did a parent training class for the parents, and I actually went into the homes and worked with the parents and kids. And it was um, as much a gift to me as it was to the families and the people in, in the school district because um, I really got, both in the juvenile court when I started out working right in the detention center before I became a counselor, I got mm-hmm. a lot of really good hands-on experience um, working with kids and with families and also doing direct interventions. And I, I've carried that with me, so it has, I think, enhanced my ability to bring the, the theory of the powerful non-defensive communication process I've developed together with the, the practice of being able to take examples that people give me and, um, and, and work with them in a way where they're able to, to often uh, leave and make immediate changes that have long-lasting mm-hmm. effect in their relationships. And I also mm-hmm. do work with um, people in uh, almost a dozen different professions uh, and, and in relationship to how professionals work with each other, how they work with their clients, um, and how they create the kind of sense of community that really enhances their, their business. Oh, and that's, that's really, I mean, from what I'm hearing, you learn how to do this where it was needed the most, and you just yes. brought it forth. Yes, yes. and I have Good. also worked with a lot of um, um, uh, teachers and educators in, mm-hmm. in the school districts as well, and mm-hmm. um, and offered parent training classes uh, through the school districts. Um, so, yes, I, it, it really does bring it home. Mm, cool. Okay, so in part, of your convers- in part of your answer right now, you've said it, but I'm going to hear, I'm going to say this, I'm going to ask you anyway. Um I've heard what you said of how we communicate is is one of the essentials and often overlooked. Keys to achieving balance in our own lives. Could you tell us more about why we need to- you, you know, the first thing that pops to my mind when you ask that question is my father, because when I was 14 years old, he went through the uh, class schedule when I first started high school, mm-hmm. and as soon as he found that. a class on public speaking, he mm-hmm. um, <laughs> rather uh, clearly told me that I should be taking that class because no matter what else I do in my life, mm-hmm. that or what I do, whatever mm-hmm. my work is, my family, that communication is one of the most essential tools. And it is a tool that we are often not taught, so we all sort of you know, learn from each other and our parents and how we've communicated has been very much passed down um, 
through history, and much of the ways we communicate are based on, um, well, if you think about the phrase, the art of persuasion. So mm-hmm. we're often trying to convince other people to agree with us. Whether we're in a meeting at work and we have an idea and someone starts to pick it apart and we say, now wait a minute, this can really work because, mm-hmm. or whether it's our kid at home and we're saying, honey, you know, if you get your homework done before dinner, then you're going to get to watch your TV shows afterwards. Well, right. you can probably hear in my voice tone, I'm already right. trying to convince other people to agree. And exactly. what's very interesting is if you look up the phrase, the art of... I want you to hold, um, Sharon, yes. I want you to hold that one thought we sure. can go on our first break, and when we come back, you're going to tell us a phrase, and we're going to continue from that stage, that part, okay? Mm-hmm, perfect. So, so, listeners, we can go on our first break. Don't go away. Sharon has more uh, ideas, more secrets, more skill sets to tell us about how to communicate so that we will not be in a stressful mode when we're talking or yeah, communicating with our loved ones, our families, our friends, or just on the job. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Get your own copy of the free ebook from Brandy T. Jones, Three Keys to Breaking the Debt Cycle. Find out how a struggling single mother pulled herself out of debt and started being able to check things off her bucket list. You'll learn about the importance of taking small steps to make steady progress and reach your goal. Get simple and practical steps to face the reality of your situation and overcome it. Find keys to creating a budget that allows you to get the things you really need. You'll also learn of the importance of taking control of your credit score and how to do it and how to be proactive versus reactive when it comes to your money. To find out more and to get your own copy of the book, visit endthered.com and click ebook. That's endthered.com and click ebook. Balancing your life starts with savings. When you're confident in your savings, you're more confident in yourself. Security can be a state of your finances, and even more, it's a state of mind. Just having $5 can mean never feeling broke again. Share your $5 story. Tell Brandy how you save. To connect with Brandy T. Jones, the money whisperer, or to schedule a private coaching session, email her at brandy at endthered.com. Again, that's Brandy at endthered.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is your journey to balancing your life. To reach Brandy T. Jones or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to endthered.brandy at gmail.com. Now back to Journey to Balancing Your Life. Welcome back to Journey to Balancing Your Life. I am your host, Brandy T. Jones, and with us today is Sharon Ellison. Sharon was just explaining to us the difference in how we're always trying to convince someone or prove something to someone 
or mm, I'm going to let her continue to say. That's what I got out of it. So, Sharon, can you continue telling us how we communicate and how it, we do it in a manner that is um, sometimes overlooked and it's essential for us to be able to communicate effectively? Um, yes. Yeah, so, so what happens is that our tendency is to think that if someone's not listening to us, we need to try to convince harder to get them to listen. Or if we're worried about our child or our friend, then we try to convince them of what we think would be good for them. So I think I was saying that, that the problem is that, that even the very definition of the art of persuasion, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be a great art, that the definition is that it means that we manipulate people well. We get them to do what we want them to do. And how do any of us respond when we think someone's manipulating us? Exactly. We resist. So mm-hmm. we're literally using ways of communicating and when we're trying to get through to people that shoot ourselves in the foot. And then on the other side of that coin, when people start to convince us or maybe criticize us or give us advice, the response is to automatically get defensive. And mm-hmm. as soon as we get defensive, then that creates another level of problem because um, literally we know now from, from science that the neurons in the brain go straight past complex problem solving to um, to the fight or flight center. And so mm-hmm. we literally, you know, have you ever gotten defensive and you walk away later and say, well, why didn't I just say this or why didn't I say that? Or, oh, my exactly. gosh, why did I say yes. that? It's because mm-hmm. we can't think clearly at all when we're defensive. So basically the, our ways of true. communicating are actually creating more conflict than resolving it both at home and at work. So if we can't fix that, then it becomes very difficult to deal with the actual issues we need to deal with. Mm, you're right. You're right. That sounds so familiar for me in my life. In the way <laughs> me I do too, actually. Sometimes. <laughs> yes. So now, it's, would that be one of the key elements in how we communicate that causes blocks for us? Is being... Uh, yes, yes. There's a whole new field of... Um, of, of science, two new fields of science that, that really are giving us a lot of information. And, and, the, and the first is that any time we get defensive, we lose our capacity to think clearly. Um, and, mm-hmm. and a key additional element there is that people have always just thought it was kind of like human nature and there was nothing we could do about it. And the reason is because defensiveness is hardwired. You know, if you see someone mm-hmm. coming at you wanting to hurt you or hurt your child, that right. defensive mechanism kicks in. But unfortunately, as we've evolved, that defensive mechanism doesn't distinguish between real physical danger and somebody saying, well, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> and mm. so the, the defensiveness flares up either way. What we haven't done is we haven't looked at what are the alternatives? Is there something we can do that helps us to diffuse our own defensiveness and other people's? And the second key element that blocks us from uh, achieving um, balance is a, a new area called epigenetics. And you know how we've always been taught that, that our genes control so much, and so it's almost like we think that there's nothing we can do to fix our defensiveness. But the fact is that they are now discovering something that I think is phenomenal, and it's very well documented, that even though our genes control maybe 10%, not as much as people thought, that our experiences actually create chemicals that code our genes 
and those experiences can be passed on from parent to child. They've even studied it in rats and, and animals and found it to be true. And what it also means then that's very exciting is that we can change much faster than we, than we think. But we've learned down through the centuries, we have to, you know, we hear phrases mm-hmm. like fighting for justice and we, and, and we see conflict, um, that doesn't get resolved well in families and between countries and we're just used to it so we think it's the norm. So our mm-hmm. own mindset blocks us too. But we have a lot of information now that says that that we can change faster than we think. And mm-hmm. one last piece here that's really vital is that in the work of Dr. Joseph Ledoux, um, that's L-E-D-E-U-X, and some of the other scientists, they've discovered that you can't talk someone out of being defensive. Well, wow, what does that mean? I mean, this is what we've been trying to do, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you can communicate in a way that the other person doesn't, feel the need to defend themselves, even if they're already being defensive, if you can communicate so that they move into any kind of feeling state outside of that defensive posture, then they can drop their defenses as instantly as they come up. And, wow. and people are reporting that, that they've asked a simple question of someone and, and the person has been upset and angry and that person has just dropped their defenses um, so instantly and with not even any residue of adrenaline. And I may, mm-hmm. I may pop in a, a little tiny story here that I sometimes would do later because I think it really shows it's hard to believe this could happen. Okay. But, you know, have you ever been defensive, really feeling really defensive, and just the right person says just the right really funny thing, and mm-hmm. you burst out laughing? Mm-hmm. I, I, most people I talk to, including myself, can identify with that. And, and, and when you, when you burst out laughing, is there any residue of that adrenaline left? And, and there, people will, I mean, every, almost everyone I talk to can identify with, oh wow, that's true. If I burst out laughing, um, and, and, which is a different emotion too, it's joy or, or feeling like something's funny or it's a very positive feeling, then all of that defensiveness can disappear. And, and I have found that we can change several rather simple things that that end up making us able to to help prompt other people to drop their defenses very quickly. Okay, so you're going to tell us some of those, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I, okay. I'm going to mention. I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we'll talk another time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, 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 um, okay, so there are actually four simple changes. I noticed a long time ago that the dictionary defined the word question never once referring to curiosity, but instead it referred over and over to things like doubt and mistrust and interrogation. And an old root word for the word question was actually torture during a trial, like the inquisitions. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so it made me realize that we're not only, not only how we word things, but our tone of voice and our attitude and our body language was all communicating things when we're asking questions that could prompt each other's defenses. So I realized that we're unconsciously prompting each other's defenses and not realizing it. So I went back and I asked myself four questions. One, um, what, what, how could I ask and, and how can I ask questions so that instead of people feeling interrogated, they feel safe and want to open up? 
how can I give feedback so that instead of feeling criticized, people are more likely to want to listen? How can I state my own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, not just neutrally, but even passionately, and yet do it in a way where I build bridges of understanding instead of um, trying to convince people and alienating them? And then the fourth thing was, how do I create clear boundaries when I need to, but without being punitive, so that people respond by becoming more competent and more reciprocal? And then I made these four simple changes. The first one is attitude. Um, and the second one is tone of voice. The third one is body language. And the fourth one is some pieces about phrasing. And as we talk further, I can show you how I applied those um, to how we ask questions and give feedback and state our own position and also create boundaries. Okay. So... We have we have about roughly about three minutes. So yes. will, will you start with telling us a little bit about the attitude? How did you do that? And then we'll just work our way through until the break, and we'll come back and resolve the rest of them. Um, y- yes. Um, so um, perhaps I can do that by telling you a story or two. Would that work? Okay. Tell okay. us a story. Start, we have I'll, three minutes. Okay. I'll, t- I'll start with one story. Okay. Um, a woman who heard me speak at a conference and then I was invited back to the same conference the next year and she ran up to me in the bathroom at the Hilton and said, I have to tell you this story. And she said that her daughter had been being bullied. Her, her daughter was 10 years old and she'd been being bullied by a boy on the bus every single day when she went to school. And she told me, you know, I just thought to myself, how am I going to help my daughter? I can't ride the bus to school with her every day. So after she heard me speak, she went home and she helped her daughter think of how to ask a question that was very sincere, not defensive, and, and she showed her how to use the voice tone, and her daughter said, okay, Mom, I'll try it, but I don't know if it'll work, and then and that night she came home, she said, Mom, it was really weird. He sat in the seat behind me, and he was like kicking on my seat and doing all those things and calling me names, and I, I just did exactly what you told me, and I turned around and I said, do you think I want you to talk to me that way? <laughs> and, he, mm. and he stopped dead cool. I mean, he just stopped. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. stared at me, and he kind of squinted at me, and then he said, well, no, I guess not. And he never said another word. Mm. And when I met that mother a whole year later, she told me that boy had never, ever bullied her daughter again. Wow. Now, I know, the story sounds so simple, right? Yeah. But in that story, in that story, in the nutshell of that story, are those four simple changes um, that that I I can show you exactly what she did, and maybe you and, and the listening audience, while we have the next break, can be thinking about the idea of what is it in the story that I told that could make him not only stop but never do it again. What what was different about what I did there? Because it's a very simple sentence, right? Right, um, right. And she could have said. Do you think I want you to talk to me that way? And then mm-hmm. what would have happened? Yes, he would he become would, more. <laughs> he, it, that's right. It would have incited mm-hmm. it. Exactly. It would have incited it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like that story. It's, and as simple as it was, and it's easy because the mother was supposed to go, came to your conference, heard you, was able to go home and translate it to her daughter yeah. who's 10 years old. Her yeah. daughter understands and gets it. So it's, yeah. it's not a a complex problem it's a real easy way of resolving in situations that can be passed on and on you don't have to have a degree to understand the simple things that you're teaching us 
That's right. That's right. And I've taught this to to uh, five year olds and grade okay. school kids and high school okay. kids, and they learn very very quickly. Um, All right. It, Hold that thought. Yeah. We get ready to go on our next break. And when we come back, we will go in deeper as to how this all works and how it all comes together. Again, you're listening to Journey to Balancing Your Life. And this is Brandy, your host. See you in a minute. You're tuned to the Voice America Women's Channel. Leading the way for your success. Balancing your life starts with savings. When you're confident in your savings, you're more confident in yourself. Security can be a state of your finances, and even more, it's a state of mind. Just having $5 can mean never feeling broke again. Share your $5 story. Tell Brandy how you save. To connect with Brandy T. Jones, the money whisperer, or to schedule a private coaching session, email her at brandy at endthered.com. Again, that's brandy at endthered.com. Get your own copy of the free ebook from Brandy T. Jones Three Keys to Breaking the Debt Cycle. Find out how a struggling single mother pulled herself out of debt and started being able to check things off her bucket list. You'll learn about the importance of taking small steps to make steady progress and reach your goal. Get simple and practical steps to face the reality of your situation and overcome it. Find keys to creating a budget that allows you to get the things you really need. You'll also learn of the importance of taking control of your credit score and how to do it and how to be proactive versus reactive when it comes to your money. To find out more and to get your own copy of the book, visit endthered.com and click ebook. That's endthered.com and click ebook. This is Voice America Women. We are leaders in the forward movement of women's success. This is your journey to balancing your life. To reach Brandy T. Jones or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to endthered.brandy at gmail.com. Now back to Journey to Balancing Your Life. Welcome back to Journey to Balance Your Life. I am your host, Brandy T. Jones, and I have the privilege and the honor to pick Sharon Ellison's brains about how we can communicate in a less defensive manner with less conflict. We can get answers and we can get results without always being having an on guard situation or going into workplaces with your, your shoulders all ready to fight. She is helping us to be less defensive and more communicative on getting things done in a more positive way. So I have a question for you, Sharon. Mm -hmm. So what is about how you ask the questions so that persons can be would drop their defensiveness with the little story you just told us? Explain as to how all that came together. Yes. Um, so first of all, um, the the change I need to make in intention is different for each part of our communication. And with questions, 
because we have tended to frown when we ask questions, even when we care about someone, um, oftentimes even when someone's saying, oh, are you upset about something? If you watch their face, they'll be frowning and shaking their head. So it's it's still modeling an old interrogation sort of method. It's it's not that much different than saying, and where were you at the time of the murder? You know, mm-hmm. and as soon as someone is sending those messages, people can get defensive even when you care and are concerned. And so the first um, thing I change when I ask a question is I make sure the question is what I call the purely curious question. Now, this child had to go back and not have any intention in her question to try to get him to stop. Mm-hmm. So that And that question allows the other person to feel almost like seen as a person rather than criticized or someone fighting with them. And um, right. and I, I really say that, that curiosity is an antidote to power struggle. And power struggle is, I think, the defensiveness and power struggle are the greatest glass ceilings on our human potential because because they function. Um, every time we're in power struggle, it's like an addiction. You know, we have to win. We have to get through to the other person, and we get caught up in it, but we end up losing our power and giving it away instead of being able to use it well and wisely. So I want my intention to be pure curiosity. And then when I ask the question, instead of trying to show concern on my face, which usually results in getting a worried, frowning look or raising eyebrows or shrugging shoulders, um, I want to be very relaxed. I want to be present, but I want to ask my question without a lot of facial expression because the intention of a question is to gather information and not give it. And if I give any messages in my tone of voice or my body language, the person is going to react to however they interpret that message instead of hearing the real question. So mm-hmm. when I say, um, um, do you think I want you to talk to me that way? Can you hear my vo- My voice is present, mm-hmm. but it's very gentle. Mm-hmm. And so when I, um, when I ask that question, I actually come down at the end of the question instead of up. It makes all the difference in the world. What made you say that versus what was it that made you say that? Mm-hmm. And people will tell me they can viscerally feel the difference, and they go mm-hmm. from feeling like they have to defend themselves to wanting to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want my voice tone to be gentle. I want it to come down at the end. I want my face to be relaxed, and that one's hard. <laughs> Sometimes you have to practice in front of the mirror. I grew up in a family where my mom said I was behind the door when God passed out the sensor between the brain and the mouth. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can still get pretty reactive myself, and I always say we're, we're all a work in progress here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the phrasing. I don't want to use phrases like, well, did you really think I would think that? Um, and can you hear my emphasis uh, on the word mm-hmm. that? And that. do you really mm-hmm. think? Um, I, I want to be able to say, were you thinking that I would say that to you? And, mm-hmm. and if it's something I don't think I would say to my friend or my coworker or my child, then I might say, what was it that made you think I would? Um, mm. So I'm asking there about intention, but always my voice tone comes down and, and it's gentle. A, a, a second quick story that I like because it's actually so similar. A woman who was a vice chancellor at a university heard me speak, and that very night her daughter told her that a supervisor at work had um, been doing, you know, some sexual harassment and touched mm-hmm. her in a way that wasn't appropriate. And she had kind of noticed things before but didn't want to make waves. And it's very interesting because at that time I had never used either the story about the child on the bus or this other story um, I mean, I didn't know them, you know, they didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but this mother, after hearing me speak for two hours, was able to go home and, like the other mother, 
figure out a very similar question. So intuitively, each of these mothers picked the question. And so she helped her daughter with the tone of voice and the attitude and the question. And in this case, the daughter went back and asked the supervisor, do you believe I wanted you to touch me that way? Mm. Now, we know, I mean, I do a lot of training for HR people, and we know that usually anyone who does any kind of bullying or harassment in the workplace doesn't usually ever own any part of it unless they think they have to a little bit to save their job. Mm-hmm. But what's happening with this process is that people are dropping their defenses so so suddenly that they're actually able to see the other person as, as a human being, you know, and mm-hmm. respond differently. And And the answer she got was just almost unbelievable, which was, no, I don't think you wanted me to do it, and I can see I've humiliated you, and I'll never do it again. Mm-hmm. So I- imagine mm-hmm. if we could, you know, I mean, most of the time when we see these problems come up, they seem so tough and so almost mm-hmm. irresolvable. And yet here are two situations, one with a child and one with an adult, with situations that that most of us would certainly consider to be very serious. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, they were able to resolve it with a single question. Wow. Wow. So now those particular cases, they were able to resolve it. What what will you do if you don't get the answer that you, when you ask that question? How would you react then? Well, then I would move on. There's there's three basic forms of communication that I believe we have. And mm-hmm. the first form of communication is questions. The second form falls loosely into the category of statements. And within statements, when we make statements, we can either be making a statement that gives feedback to another person, or we can make a statement that is our the expression of our own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And then the third form of communication is predictions. So we've just talked about how I would make those four changes of intention, voice tone, body language, and phrasing with the questions. And I can also tell you some stories about and and show you how I would make those same changes when we give feedback and state our own position and um, also when we want to create boundaries. So. But but, but if I didn't get the answer that I want then I may ask another, a mother, another, I may first ask one other question. Like if the mm-hmm. little girl says um, to the kid on the bus, do you um, think I want you to talk to, do you think I want you to talk to me that way? And he goes, yeah, sure, what of it? Um, then I want to say, um, then I could ask one more question, which might be something about what, why do you, what makes you want to do it? I mean, does it make you feel good to to be mean to me? Are you wanting to hurt my feelings? Mm-hmm. And, and what's really fascinating about that is that in in traditional communications, when we get into power struggle, which I believe is the most pervasive and least recognized addiction on earth, when we get into when we get into power struggle, there's a big rule, like a, a rule of war, is that to be open is to be vulnerable, and to be vulnerable is to be weak. But did you notice when I asked those questions, was it because you wanted to hurt me? Did you want to make me feel bad? Did I sound weak or strong to you, uh, Brandy, when I asked that question? You sound strong. You want to know. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and what, so what's happening is... And it put really, it back on him. 
That's right. And mm-hmm. only when we're willing to show our vulnerability can we be mm-hmm. fully honest mm-hmm. and can we have the power to ask those questions. And I've done right. that in role plays even with people who were adults who were intentionally <laughs> determined to try to show that they were hurting me. And, mm-hmm. and yet in almost the vast majority of cases, there's something about that that just diffuses it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so if I don't get the answer I want, I might ask an additional question like that, but I don't want to keep persisting with the questions. So if, it's, if, if, um, if the answer still doesn't work, then, then what I want to do is I want to go on to my statement and my prediction. Mm-hmm. So in, in the situation that um, um, I can give both examples, with the question, or I can give some different examples. I'll carry through one example. Just the little girl could then say, if he goes, "Yeah, so what?" Um, uh, she could then say, "You know, when I when I hear you saying that you do want to say those things to me, um, and at the same time, it makes me not like you as well. So I'm not I'm not really sure why you want to talk to me that way instead of just being friends. Mm-hmm. And if you and and so um, I, guess, I guess I just won't answer you if you keep doing it. Mm. It's, very, it's very simple. You see, I'm detaching exactly. from the right. ability to, uh, in fact, I, used, I was called into a school where there had been a gang murder, and I trained 450 freshmen, and I'd have them get up, and I'd say, you can call me any name you want, and while you do it, hold your hand out like a hook. And they'd hold mm. their hand out like a hook, and then they'd call me some name, and, and then I would just look at all the kids, and I'd say, you know, if I take that hook, who has the power? Him or right. me, her or me. Mm-hmm. And and so often adults are saying to kids, walk away <clears throat> from the fight or the argument. It takes more courage. But who wants to be voiceless? Certainly the kids don't. Right. But when they saw that, all these kids could instantly see and the whole room would say, oh, I'm giving that other person the power. And they mm-hmm. had examples the very next day where kids were using these skills and diffusing and diffusing conflict. Mm-hmm. Um so, so, but I, so I can go on and I can make, and I can make the statement, um, you know, if you want to talk to me in a way that's friendly, that's great. Or, or I've, I've, I've given you the example of the prediction and I'm just going to follow this one example through and go on to mm-hmm. the prediction where I would say, um, if you, uh, I could do the, the same kind of thing as the statement. If you keep talking to me that way, then I'm not going to answer you. If mm-hmm. you talk to me in a way that's more friendly, then I'd love to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so then that becomes the prediction. But let me walk because, you through the steps okay. of the statement. So we're close. Let me share. Let me. Share. We're close to a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to have. I have a question to say about the the statement and the phrases, the prediction. In doing both of those examples you just gave us, to me it seemed as if the young man, but in doing all that in the beginning, he wanted attention. So when you mm-hmm. when you take away that ability for him to have the attention, then it diffuses everything. That's right. That's right. Okay. And I'm also making a okay. prediction that says that if he wants to talk to me in a friendly way, then I'm happy to talk to him. Good. Okay. Yes. So and, we got that clear. We're getting ready and, to go on our last break. And listeners, I hope you have gained some knowledge and some skills. It has been very simple. Even I have been writing down, taking notes. So (laughs) we'll talk to you in just a few minutes.
You're tuned to the Voice America Women's Channel, leading the way for your success. Get your own copy of the free ebook from Brandy T. Jones, Three Keys to Breaking the Debt Cycle. Find out how a struggling single mother pulled herself out of debt and started being able to check things off her bucket list. You'll learn about the importance of taking small steps to make steady progress and reach your goal. Get simple and practical steps to face the reality of your situation and overcome it. Find keys to creating a budget that allows you to get the things you really need. You'll also learn of the importance of taking control of your credit score and how to do it and how to be proactive versus reactive when it comes to your money. To find out more and to get your own copy of the book, visit endthered.com and click ebook. That's endthered.com and click ebook. Balancing your life starts with savings. When you're confident in your saving, you're more confident in yourself. Security can be a state of your finances and even more, it's a state of mind. Just having $5 can mean never feeling broke again. Share your $5 story. Tell Brandy how you save. To connect with Brandy T. Jones, the money whisperer, or to schedule a private coaching session, email her at brandy at endthered.com. Again, that's brandy at endthered.com. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. This is your journey to balancing your life. To reach Brandy T. Jones or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to endthered.brandy at gmail.com. Now back to Journey to Balancing Your Life. Welcome back to Journey to Balancing Your Life. I'm your host, Brandy T. Jones, and I am having a great time with my guest, Sharon Ellison, speaking about how we can communicate less defensively, how we can put our guard down and relax and just have conversations and get this, you know, get a different kind of result. So I'm going to let Sharon continue to tell us her stories and to tell us how we can do this and give us some practical advice is how do we start and the results after that. Sharon, you're up. Okay, thanks. Um, so I, I realize I told one story about a child and one story about a, a workplace, but I want to tell one story about a question asking that can actually literally transform a long-term relationship, which was a woman who came to one of my classes and she was um, crying and saying that her husband had just said to her that he he was thinking about leaving her and the kids that day. And 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 so when I was trying to help her ask a non-defensive question, everyone in the group could see how hard it would be to ask just the simple question of what was it that made you want to leave me and the, and, and, and the girls and not be, you know, not have that question be full of pain and full of betrayal and, you know, how, you know, how could you possibly just want to leave us? And, but she worked with it and she went back and when she came back the next time and, shared her story. She said she was able to say to him in in that way we talked about what was it that made you want to leave us? And he looked at her and he said, I know that you grew up with a lot of poverty in your family and when I've wanted to um, quit my, um, my 
job working for the electric company, you've been too afraid. And I was sitting on top of a pole the other day, and I just thought, I can't do this for another 20 years. And 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 I, I didn't know how I could face it. And they had this amazing conversation. The kids were older. She was good at bookkeeping. He worked for a company at that time that was willing to help him go back to school. And with that single, tra- with that single question... Of course, it doesn't mean they didn't have more work to do, but they they transformed a marriage with one question. Mm, mm, Um, Nice. And so uh, now uh, on to when we don't get the response uh, that we want. (laughs) Um, There's an example I love about a man named Jose who had taken a class from me, and he'd been in conflict with the woman who was his his partner. They weren't married. She'd been divorced. She had a, um, a, a, a daughter, Carmen, who was in high school, and Carmen um, would be very rude to her mother all the time and not help around the house. And he kept trying to convince her that she needed to, you know, set some limits or do something about it. And so this one day he went back and he just made a statement. And he said, when, and, and you'll hear that I'm going to do four parts here. So when I make a statement, the first three parts of this statement will be the, um, the, what I hear the person say, anything I see that contradicts it, and my own conclusion about what's going on. Um, and my intention in the, giving those first three parts, which is the feedback part to the other person, is that I'm holding the mirror up in a very neutral way. If I add my emotions in, it becomes judgment or criticism. And then the fourth part is when I can say my own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs strongly with lots of feeling, as long as I don't cross that very invisible line and start to try to convince the other person to listen to me. So he said to her, when I see how Carmen is at school and she gets along so well and she gets great grades and she's on rally squads and she's truly, genuinely kind to other people, and then I see her come home and be so rude to you and not help, and you don't do anything about it. So it seems to me that you're teaching her to treat family worse than she treats anyone else. And sometimes I'm so mad at her for how she treats you I just feel sad for you. And then other times, it's the other way around. And I feel so upset with you for not helping her to be different at home. Mm-hmm. And, and what you, you notice what happens there? Most people mm-hmm. don't end there. It almost feels like, mm-hmm. no, wait a minute, there's a little empty space. Well, what is that mm-hmm. empty space? It's that urge to say, so be different. <laughs> so mm-hmm. do something different. But he said he walked away feeling free because mm-hmm. he said it. And only, mm-hmm. but, but before he walked away, she actually said, well, I don't care. I feel guilty about the divorce. So she's now actually confessing why she's letting her child get away with these things. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be gone in a year. Now, that's a big hook. Don't you just want to say, mm-hmm. well, you've still got another year. You can do something. Mm-hmm. But instead, mm-hmm. he just made his statement and then didn't say more. And he was stunned that night when he walked over near the kitchen. And he heard, and he heard Dahlia saying to Carmen, um, I'm teaching you to treat family worse than anyone. What? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he didn't do anything to prompt her defenses meant she could go away and think about what he said. Exactly. So even though she said it's, she wouldn't change. And I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you one more quick example about statements. Oh, gosh, I have so many. I love these examples. Um, but um, I had a, a man and a woman come who were married, and and you can imagine they'd had this conflict for probably a long time. And so almost instantly, when they first started seeing me, she said to him, you're always so angry. And he said, 
I am not angry. I mean, his whole face got contorted when he said it. Now, what am I going to do as the person seeing them? I mean, it's a man and a woman sitting there. I'm a woman. If I suddenly say to him, well, you look pretty angry to me, um, then he's going to see me as siding with her. And if I don't deal with the issue when it's so blatant, then she's going to feel like I'm not willing to stand up and, and do what I need to do. So, again, I just used one little piece of this feedback, and all I did was describe for him. And I looked at him, and and if anybody asks themselves, I mean, if I tried to deal with this, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, I could lose him as a client. I could lose her as a client. I looked at him, and I said, when I look at you, what I see is that the lines in your face are almost etched into a mask of anger. Mm. And he Mm. looked at me for a minute, and he said, do you have a mirror? (laughs) <laughs> do you have a mirror yes he down the to hall. See it too. he went down he looked he mm-hmm. came back and he said my god mm-hmm. you're right now mm-hmm. he not only said that in front of me he said it in front of his wife and how long do you think they'd probably had that argument so that yeah. means that man had dropped all of his defenses so completely right. that he wasn't even worried about showing the vulnerability of of saying something that that suggested that she was right. So that exactly. that's the kind of that's the kind of impact I think that can happen when we're when we give feedback, but we do it from a neutral place, um, exactly. and or then say our own feelings with honesty but vulnerability. And then the last mm-hmm. part is when we make a prediction. I want to always say the phrase "if and then." If you do X, then I'm going to respond I... this way. Okay. And I taught this to a class class of third graders, and and I taught them for 45 minutes. Came back the next week and said, "Did anybody try any of these skills?" And hands went up all over the room. This one little girl raised her hand and she said, "I I did that prediction thing. My brother he likes to hit me in the morning before we go to school." She said as if he was she was talking about eating Cheerios. And and so what I said to him was, "If you hit me, um, then I won't." He wants me to be his catcher when he practices baseball. So if you hit me this morning, then I'm not going to be your catcher this afternoon. And he quit. <laughs> Yes. And it was like so, that simple. So when we make a prediction, we're letting the other person know the difference is that um, um, it, 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 when I'm making the prediction, my goal is to let you know what choice, how I'm going to respond to your choice, and it has to be very neutral. I cannot be trying to control which choice you make. And cool. again, my tone of voice with the feedback and with the prediction has that same kind of neutrality. Um mm. Questions are neutral because I'm gathering information. Feedback is neutral because I'm giving information. Um, when I state my own position, I can have passion as long as I don't try to change you. And when I make a prediction, I'm neutral okay. because I need you to know that I'm not going to try to control which choice you make. And, and so, 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 Karen, yeah. you have given us a lot of information, and I still want the people, to, my listeners, to be able to contact with you, connect with you if they choose. So can you please tell us how they can do that? Real briefly, we have just a few minutes, just, just yeah, seconds. Yes. So um, my website is www.p as in Paul, N as in Nancy, D as in David, C as in Connie, dot com. And if you even look up the word non-defensive, you'll find my website. I have a gift for everybody, also with some links to lots of free information. And that is at the same www.p as in Nancy, D N as in da- P as in Paul, N as in Nancy, D as in David, C as in Connie, dot com, dot com, slash gifts. Slash, okay. and that's all Thank you have you. to do to go and get that free information. 
Um, thank, thank you so yeah. much, Sharon. Yeah. You have been a joy. It has been a pleasure to have you on my show. Uh, thank you for saying yes when I asked you. Oh, and so, listeners, so I, listeners, I hope you go onto her website and connect with Sharon. And until next week, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Be sure to catch the next episode of Journey to Balancing Your Life with Brandy T. Jones next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll see you then.